0: Yesterday I went on to one of our ads on DOPE's account and I had posted a video of myself talking It was about Shark Tank and whatnot and the comments are just exploding about my acne saying like Oh does cookie dough cause this and like you should fix your face go get proactive You know all these horrible things and it's mental health awareness month, you know, so I'm like hey nice to meet you I'm Kelsey like thank you so much for your tip the guy who said go find proactive or something, you know Thank you so much, you know, we're all about mental health and I hope you have a dope day and just Try to kill it with kindness, but
1: it is so hard. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Kelsey Morera. Kelsey is the founder and fearless leader at Dope. That's spelled D O U G H P. It's a cookie dough company, and more importantly a company she started that's committed to reducing the stigmas around mental health and addiction recovery. So this is another one of our conversations this month, May 2021, about mental health challenges within the sales community. That's all part of our effort during this Mental Health Awareness Month to bring the discussion and support out into the open. Now, Kelsey was on the career fast track when she hit bottom. (laughs) That just happened when she was 6,000 miles away from home that's when she committed herself that she had had her last drink, but it's what she did from that point that makes this such a great story. So Kelsey shares the story of her challenges with alcohol, and it's not unusual and it's a cautionary tale for young professionals, but it all led to her starting her own successful cookie dough company, Dope, and led to her appearances on Shark Tank, pitching her idea for her company to the panel on national TV. So we dive into talking in this episode about how she's managed through all the stresses of the pandemic and the impacts that's had on her business. How does she manage to keep her balance? And we talk about the work Kelsey is doing to help other companies adopt employee policies that are designed to destigmatize mental health and addiction issues and provide the community and the support that employees need. So again, to all of this and much, much more. But before we get before we get to Kelsey, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing with a review. So, thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Kelsey, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So, uh, yeah, this is a show about sales. Well, this particular episode, we're talking about the mental health challenges associated with sales and, and business, but uh, this being a show about sales, I think that out of the 900-plus episodes we've done, you have the most unique product that you sell of any that have been on the show?
0: Oh, that's that's an honor.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, tell us about your business.
0: Yeah, so I am the founder and fearless leader of Dope Cookie Dough. We make edible and dope. bakeable cookie dough, <laughs> and it is pretty dope. It's D-O-U-G-H-P. D-O-U-G-H-P, right. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. it's like dough with a P on the end. Sometimes right. people don't get how to pronounce it until I say it out loud too. So it's funny on podcasts, it's the other way around. You need to know how to spell it or else it's a little confusing on what's in the cookie dough, but there's no uh, nothing mysterious in it. It's made just like homemade dough. We just make it safe to eat and we're actually on a mission around mental health and addiction recovery to try and break the stigmas. So it's, um, yeah, it's a ton of fun.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we're going to dive into the mission, but first let's talk about the good stuff, the cookie dough. So um, (laughs) I'm just curious. So how do you, how do you ship it?
0: Uh, I mean, it is a, a labor of love to figure out how to ship cold. Yeah, oh, we I are can imagine. Yeah. fully direct to consumer now. I started the business with our own brick and mortar storefronts. So really like the in-person experience, getting mm-hmm. people to come into the store um, and on you know vacations. We we're on Pier 39 and in Las Vegas. And then late 2019, started focusing on direct to consumer and have since actually closed both of our storefronts because online was, was so good for us. So we do, you know, ice packs and insulation and we have like phases of it as it starts to warm up throughout the. Year where it gets a little more intense, Um, but luckily it's not ice cream, so we're not quite as intense as like dry ice is needed year round if you're going to ship ice cream. Our dough is safe for two weeks at room temperature, so we just need it to stay cooler than the inside of a FedEx truck for delivery. You know, but it doesn't have to be ice cold the whole time.
1: Okay, mine's scheduled to arrive tomorrow, so I just (laughs) I just want to uh, let you know. Um, Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you. You pitched your show, your company on Shark Tank, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I got on Shark Tank.
1: Yeah, tell, so tell us about that. I mean, that's, that's fascinating. So how did you audition to get on?
0: Yeah, I went the normal path. Like, I know nobody in show business, uh, mm-hmm. even the fact that I'm an entrepreneur. like I have no entrepreneurs in my family. It's kind of crazy that I went and did this. Um, so yeah, I, I heard that Shark Tank was doing a casting call in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, an employee of mine actually told me and was like, look, I have your cookie dough samples ready. Just come by the pier and pick them up and you've got to go and audition. And so I went. It was like 6 a.m. in the morning and I sat on a curb for three hours waiting to shoot my shot.
1: So hundreds of people lined up to to do it?
0: Yeah, about 500 people there that day.
1: And does everybody get a chance to pitch?
0: Yes, yep, everyone gets a chance to pitch. It's not to the Sharks, obviously, because right. they're casting producers and everything. Right. But, um, yeah, everyone gets their, gets their chance, and... It's a it's a wild journey. and you know, there are people in line who are like, "Oh, you have a speech prepared? You know, like a pitch prepared?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's work on yours. Tell me about your product." <laughs> and we we're like making it real time for them because I'm like, "You should. I think you should have something I think you should written be prepared. Out. Yeah. <laughs> like let's let's work on something so you can uh, feel a little natural in there and you know have some idea of what you're going to say."
1: So you you presented the producers, and then mm-hmm. you passed.
0: Yeah, so it's like a multi-step process. Right. I auditioned in May and then I filmed in September uh, of God, 2018 and it God. aired in May of 2019. So it was like a year journey from auditioning to seeing myself on national television.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, very crazy roller coaster. So you do get, you know, the first yes, like they're sitting in the um, in the room, like eating the samples, you know, like, <laughs> oh, this is so good. They called over the executive producer, Mindy, like she starts eating it and, Right. Um, really fun. And, you know, she said, uh, you know, there's a lot of other cookie dough companies even that auditioned that year. But um, dope, you know, what we're doing around mental health that we'll talk about later. You know, they, they thought that was different enough to come on the show. So many rounds of video submissions, tons of paperwork. I was so new in entrepreneurship. I was like, Okay, this legal doc is like a hundred pages. This would cost way too much for a lawyer to review, so I just right. like skimmed it, and I'm like, we're just gonna sign this thing. Um, luckily, Shark Tank doesn't do the uh, equity anymore as part of a deal of going on the show. They used to take a portion of your company just, just to by be on being the on show. It. Okay, got it. Yeah, and luckily, you know, that had been removed. I think it was Mark Cuban and Mr. Wonderful were like, if this doesn't get removed, we're out of the show, right. and so they they moved that through. So it seemed seemed all right, and I just said, I want to do it. Let's figure it out.
1: So, tell us about the show. So you, The show. The show that you're on. And so, (laughs) how much time do you have?
0: Uh, You have as much time as it takes for every shark to go out or to get a deal. So, they don't cut you off. There's no, um, you know, there's no like, hey, you've hit time. It's really just keep going until everybody's been able to make a decision um, or you got a deal. So, for me, I was in there for an hour and 15 minutes and it's an (sighs) eight-minute segment on TV. Right, right. Yeah. Very disorienting. You know, you're just like, how was this that much time? It felt like a blink of an eye. And then it's also wild to see it air. And I'm thinking, wait, where's this or that, you know, that happened (laughs) and then they don't show it. So it's a, it's a pretty weird experience.
1: So did you get an investment?
0: I didn't get a deal in the tank. Um, right. I, you know, I knew my numbers like front to back, right. Upwards down. I was so prepared. I had been flashcarding for weeks leading <laughs> up to it. Um, walking up and down the streets of SF saying my pitch out loud to anyone that would listen, including right. the birds, you know. It was like <laughs> I was really prepared. So I was super proud of myself. Like Barbara Corkins said I was the most sophisticated store owner she'd ever met, which was like she's met a lot of store
1: owners. She has. Yeah. Um,
0: lots of just amazing like uh, accolades about my skills as an operator but cookie dough is not healthy so oddly like the whole episode turned into this like yeah but the obesity epidemic and I'm like It's dessert. I was like, I'm so confused how we're talking about this because like of course it's not like it's intentionally
1: This is (laughs) not a main course we're pitching to people, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. So you know, dope is like unabashedly about just digging in, having something taste good. I want the nostalgia of cookie dough. I want it to taste like it tasted when you were eating it at home and not be some and on both ends not souped up with a bunch of sugar where it's cookie dough frosting and also right. not turned into some health product where it's like tastes like you're eating granola like we can have right. a bowl of granola and then we can have some dessert so i just uh it was really funny to have them go out for that and big kind of like emotional cliff dive for me to have them go out and it was so many positives of like you're incredible right. when i want to invest i want to find a great founder all these amazing things but cookie dough and i'm like this is not what i was expecting <laughs> you know so
1: it's i um uh, it's cookie dough
0: yeah, it was such, it was, yeah. but a really cool experience, nonetheless. You know, to get to meet them, tell my story, shared my you know journey into sobriety on national television, and that's right. a real gift.
1: Well, so let's talk about that because that's yeah. one of the things. This is one of our conversations for Mental Health Awareness Month. Is did the business come out of your recovery?
0: Hundred percent. I mean, okay. it would never have happened had I not gotten sober in a couple of phases too. Like I think just the coasting that was life of like, I'm just going to, I got my good corporate job. I'm going to climb this ladder. And, you know, I was abusing alcohol. I I had a problem with alcohol. I'd been um, 10 years working in high tech, started when I was like 16 years old. and
1: So let's get into that because you started an internship at Intel when you were yeah yeah, in high school. And Mm -hmm. it sounded like they gave you some big responsibilities pretty early on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I took it. I wanted it. I was so hungry. I was always a perfectionist and overachiever. I mean, like to the extremes, right. I would like come home crying if I got a B in school. And so my parents would through the years have to be like, you know, the opposite of most parents saying, come on, care more. It was like, Mm. you're fine. It's going to be okay. Like, don't (laughs) worry so much. You know, the B is fine. They're, you know they wanted me to like take a take a chill pill <laughs> right literally and figuratively it was like, this is a little much, but I just had a lot of anxiety and I think jumping into Intel, it fueled that because I was able to take on more and do more and show how great I could be. And so the responsibilities kept climbing and I was 16, 17, 18, um, making it happen, you know?
1: I mean, you were traveling on business, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I started doing business trips at 18. Um, wow. pretty crazy. Oh.
1: Yeah. yeah, so tell us what you were going on the business trips to do. I mean, What's your role? Yeah, so I mean,
0: I was working in like the business client group uh, for a long period of the time. So, mm-hmm. working on B Pro processors, this is lots of business to business stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being able to go around and talk about, I was running a small business app pack. So, we were trying to pitch um, as part of business client. They did some stuff for small business and mm-hmm. um, pitching this to tablet manufacturers. So, right. a trip to China um, to go and meet with different OEMs and pitch this app pack that they could add to Intel based tablets um, that would be for small businesses. So, some sort of like like software combo marketing opportunities, and you know, this chance to go around with a, a VP of the company. Um, it was a really, really neat opportunity. But you know, I was a couple that trip, I was a couple years after um, college, and you think alcoholism is really easy to pass away in college because you're just like, you know, it's okay. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone's drinking, right, right,
1: right. You know,
0: the hospitalizations and the tickets, some of that was like, maybe this isn't happening to everyone, but next weekend it won't. I just always had an excuse.
1: Well, you ended up in the hospital from binge drinking?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Twice, actually. Um, I'm a small person and I I am like, you can't see me if you're listening to this, but I'm like 5'2", uh, 120. And I was, I think I broke a hundred pounds in college. So I was always right. really small, but drank like I was a 6'2", you know, 300 pound dude. Right. And um, that doesn't last long, you know, just physiologically, my body couldn't take it. And so I would end up getting carried out of the party. Police would be there, ambulance called, a couple of instances um, where that wow. was pretty much the... Pretty much the leading factor. So,
1: well, it sounds like in one of the trips to China, because I was reading something, whether I think it was a transcript to a podcast you've been on, is, mm. it was pretty rough, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, this, this trip in China um, to China when I was. Uh, a couple years after college, you know, and still in the throes of it, um, I almost missed our flight to leave that day. And the the VP that I'm on this trip with, um, Steve Dahlman, still connected with him on LinkedIn. It's funny, all these years later. Um, but, you know, he had to send someone up to my room to come and, like, knock on the room and try and find me because I wasn't showing up in the lobby like I was supposed to for the flight because right. I had been out drinking, you know, so heavily the night before. Um, and then, you know, it's another business trip that I finally made the decision to get sober when I was in Barcelona um, in 2015. So September 2015, first day of a seven day business trip in Barcelona. What a cool opportunity. I loved this chance to get to travel. But these business trips were always like the worst for me. It was kind of a chance where you're out nobody else there knows you have a problem. And everybody else is ready to let loose too. So you've got oh, a Mark's bunch Loma. of drinking buddies, <laughs> right. and you got nobody there to tell you not to have another one. And so that was just the perfect storm for me. And um, I landed at like ten thirty in the morning, and Marriott's the hey Kelsey, you're a platinum member, here's your welcome bottle of wine. And I'm like, well, I should oh, have you. some. <laughs> right, you
1: want this to go you to You have
0: some. Uh, and then, you know, one thing leads to another. Coworkers are at the pool and on and on. And I, I came to at 3.30 in the morning in a stranger's apartment and had cheated on a boyfriend of four years at the time. And just had one of those, like, another morning apologizing for stuff I didn't remember doing and trying to put the pieces together. And I said, this is it. This is enough. I well, don't this, ever want to be like
1: this. Right. And this is the thing that, that struck me about that story. That was, I mean, A, sort of hitting bottom 6,000 miles from home. You know, a young woman basically by yourself. Their colleagues are there, but still. Yeah. I had to be hugely, I mean, hugely
0: by
1: <laughs> Yeah. Hugely frightening. Um, yeah. But then you had the courage to seek out an England, English language AA meeting in Barcelona. So tell us about that, because I think that's that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and it it is. I think in some ways that that fear factor of like I could have died, you know, like Mm -hmm. I could have easily died or been taken into some horrible, you know, I'm I'm very small again. I could have just been kidnapped and taken. Um, All sorts of things could have happened, and even what did happen, I'm not you know proud about. I wish I had had not done that. I convinced the group of colleagues I was with that I knew this other group of guys, and I'd be fine. You know, don't worry about me. I'm gonna leave. And I did not know them from. Joe. So right, um, right. really a dangerous situation. I think it just hit me that was like, this is not me. I have so much more to offer the world than this. And I called my grandmother, who's like my best friend, my Nana. Um, we were so close. And over the years, it had been challenging because I was getting letters from her. She was many years sober, I think 20 years sober at that right. moment. Right. And uh had always gotten these letters from her that I'd shove in the drawer because I didn't want to read them, saying that, you know, she really thought I maybe needed to stop drinking. And so she was the the first call that morning. And I said, I really want to get sober. I I don't want to do this anymore. And she prompted the AA. She said, You should find an AA meeting. And I'm like, How will I do that? I'm in Barcelona, right, like my right. life's falling apart. Do I need to fly home? What should I do? And she said, They have English speaking meetings there, I'm sure. You know, look it up. You're you're young, figure out the internet. And so right. I did. I Googled it and I found a meeting. Um few blocks away, uh, an hour later or something. And I haven't had a drink since, so I'll be six years sober this September.
1: Well, congratulations. So, Thank you. So, tell me about going into that meeting, though. I mean, this is again, just because you're, again, so far away from home and, and yeah. who was there? Was it, you know, expats that, that live in Barcelona or
0: A mix of people, you know, a a mix of people, some on travel who wanted to stay connected into a meeting while they were traveling, right? Right. Um, And then some who do live there, like the gentleman that was running it, same as Will. (laughs) Um, I still text him every sober anniversary because I just Mm -hmm. think it's such an interesting connection that You know, he was there to lead that meeting that day. And it was my first AA meeting. So there's tons of nerves of like, oh God, what am I going into? And like, what's this going to be like? And do I have to tell them all my problems? And, you know, the beautiful thing about AA is you can say as much or as little as you'd like. And, um, you know, I I shared that I was, you know, less than 24 hours sober and wanted to try and figure it out. Um, And it's a great community of people, you know? Someone stayed afterwards to chat with me about their journey. And, Yeah, I mean, then I had to go through a six day business trip in my first six days of sobriety, so that was some shit. That's
1: that's what I was gonna ask. Right, so how'd that feel like then to be thrust back into the situation where there's all these temptations for you, just newly sober? Yeah. How how did you How'd you manage that to to avoid relapsing again?
0: Very challenging. I I found the best path was to not attend the social functions. So you know, I had a couple of dinners that I just had to be at and um, went and. I said I wasn't feeling well, that I just wanted some water. I don't, I, you know, that whole week, maybe one close colleague that I shared, you know, mm-hmm. I had a problem. That night didn't go well for me. I know you guys didn't see me afterwards, but right. uh, I'm not going to be drinking anymore. Um, and the others just, yeah, I just needed to play it off that I wasn't feeling well and, and just kind of kept to myself. Went and explored the city a bit, you know, in the evenings and stuff instead of going to some function if I could pass on it. Just to, like, mm-hmm. get out, see some arts. I saw, you know, some of the gouty stuff. So, right. it was just... Yeah. Like, let's go, let's go find myself doing something else that wasn't including alcohol.
1: Yeah. And, and at that time, the colleagues maybe that, you know, knew you from the office and so on. I mean, any sense at all on their part that, you know, you were having these struggles with alcohol?
0: No, not really. You know, there's a couple of close ones that um, I, I got sent home one day from uh, from Intel because I reeked of alcohol. I had been drinking, you know, on a Sunday um, mm-hmm. and came into work Monday and, you know, he was like, you need to, I think you need to go home. Um, and so those were like really jarring where I had so seldom let that cross over, let my problems right. cross over into work and right. um, missing work from being too hungover. you know, those bosses still to this day, don't really know that that's why I missed work that day, but, uh, too hung over and had to call out a couple of times, but I was such an overachiever when I was there. It's like this right. high functioning, like, you know, there would just, it would never be a problem. It's like, oh, of course she can take that day off. Every other day is like eight squished into one. So, right. um, yeah, it, it was very hard for them when I did come out that I was getting sober and started to get more public about it. Um, and it was, Like, oh, I didn't know you had a problem. You were so much fun. You know, lots of like, Mm. but it was so fun when you're drinking. And that's the thing about alcoholism is like, it seems fun to everyone else for a while. And then you have this close-knit group of like your parents and your loved one your significant other who have just been like battered with all of these nights that they've had to pick up the pieces for you and help you out and um the friends who had to carry you home each time or clean Mm -hmm. up your you know throw up in their car or whatever it is so hold your hair it's like this immediate circle that feels the pain and the others are like but you were a blast like (laughs) what do you mean So it's a hard part about our society because we just think that that's the way we engage and that's the way we hang out and need to bond. Mm -hmm. Um, And in sobriety, it's pretty freaking awesome. I found that I have even closer relationships, more meaningful relationships, Mm -hmm. not being focused around alcohol.
1: And do your parents also have problems with alcohol?
0: Yeah, my mom is now four years sober, so
1: she uh, got
0: sober a year after me. Um, And I think it's one of the things I say about vulnerability breeds vulnerability, like my decision to be able to come out and say, I have a problem and I need to get sober, broke that wall down for my mom to be able to talk to me and say... I know that my drinking hasn't been okay and I have a problem and I need to stop. So, um, nice recognition on that end. And then Mm -hmm. my Nana, um, who I mentioned was sober 20 years. This is my dad's mother. Um, she passed away just after I turned one year sober. So she gave me the diamond heart necklace that my Papa had given her for her Mm -hmm. first year of sobriety, um, in her final like letter to me when she passed. So, um, lots of, you know lovely alcoholism in our family that is thankfully solved now we're uh, either you know passed away sober or still sober now right. so um yeah you know it's such a it is a genetic thing at its core that i think i was like predisposed to have a problem sure. with it there's just this perfect mix that hit for me my brother Never really cared for alcohol much, you know. He's just mm. have one and be done, and not much of a party animal. More of a reserved kind of guy, and right. and it was fine for him through his life. And um, I've just have been on that other extreme.
1: Right. Yeah. So let's let's talk about how that then led to dope. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, had baking sort of been a passion or.
0: Yeah, I, I love to bake. When I was young, um, and my mom, my nana, my stepmom—all like great, not only chefs but bakers. Like they love to make regular food too. I just mm-hmm. was always like, can we just make the cookies? Like let's skip, <laughs> <laughs> let's skip the dinner thing. Can we just do the dessert together? And um, that's I would and, vote for. But yes, right? Yeah, yeah I, we have This cookbook called the Big Giant Cookie Book, and I would every time my mom's like, we can make anything today. What do you want to make? I'm like get the cookie book. Let's stop messing around. I just want to make some new cookie recipes. Um, But, you know, with Intel and alcohol, um, just like the corporate life and drinking, I I lost all those hobbies, all the side Mm -hmm. things. I wasn't really running anymore. wasn't baking, wasn't doing yoga. I had all these little things I used to do in the past that I kind of let go of. And um, getting sober was like this big re-exploration of like, what, who am I? You know, I remember being like, Holy hell, I have no hobbies. Like what right. what do I do, you know, and now not drinking, you got a lot of time. So, it was just let's go back to other things. I tried painting again, pottery, I'm terrible at gardening. That was not gonna happen. Um, but being in the kitchen was just really that special thing for me. I, I found baking is so precise. you're measuring everything off and it's sort of like right. a meditation for me. I, I really felt like at peace in the kitchen and started to bring in those baked goods into the office and slowly but surely getting those nudges of like, hey, this is really good. like you should sell this. You should. and I'm like, sell this. like start a, I could start my own company. you know I just hadn't I got no entrepreneurs and like in right. my family I never thought about. I could make my own business. And that kind of spurred that first inkling of like, I could do something for me.
1: Well, I think it was interesting though. So, what was the decision about selling dough versus cookies?
0: Yeah. That, well, that, yeah. Yeah, it was a big, big jump, right? Intel right. moved me down to San Francisco for a new job uh, inside the company. So and you were I previously um, in
1: the Sacramento area, just so people know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Grew up in Sacramento. I was actually in Oregon when I got sober. So mm-hmm. Intel moved me around. I was in the Arizona campus during college and then moved up to Oregon. Um they've got a big headquarters up there outside of Portland. And you know the geographical relocation when you get sober is welcomed. I wanted mm-hmm. a new, fresh start, and in an right. SF, I made some amazing friends who got to only ever know this Kelsey, you know, right. the who I am right. today, and not have those sort of like tainted memories of what had happened um, through my drinking years. So, kind of a nice fresh start and. I was attempting to be a vegan, early sobriety. You know, I was less than a year sober when I moved to SF and I was like, let's try everything. I wasn't having coffee. I wasn't having alcohol. I wasn't having, you know, just all of it. So I tried veganism. I love butter way too much. So that lasted <laughs> not long. So my cooking I'm with you
1: though
0: on I that Right. Though I wasn't using eggs anymore, I was still using butter. And so cookie recipes, which like as many people, right, sneaking those bites of cookie dough before you bake it, I started to realize, like, I don't have eggs in this anymore, so I'd save – half of it in a bowl in the fridge and then bake half into cookies and i was eating it through the week and it just struck i was like this could be my thing this is really unique i i mm-hmm. knew the sure people think my cakes look cool or cupcakes right. are nice and but there's so many world renowned pastry chefs in sf so i'd kind of put it to the side as like that's right. not realistic for me um but this this i said this is unique and it's it's very me it's like it's messy, it's imperfect, you know, it's it's cookie dough in a pint. It doesn't have to like look beautiful. And I, I love that, you know, it's got to be kind of real.
1: Yeah. So, but the idea to make it a, a business, and so what was sort of this, say like, God, I can make a go of this. I mean, this is because I mean, a lot of cookie companies or cookie-related companies sort of come and go. I mean, we had the cupcake craze, we had yeah, Mrs. Fields sort of disappeared, which was, you know. Dating yeah. myself a little bit, but those were, <laughs> were yeah. No,
0: it's good. okay. And, and Miss Field, she's trying to make a comeback on direct to consumer. You can like oh, order, it? A, you can order some online now. So okay. they're they're okay. seeing that that's a trend. Yeah, it's you know I think for me I um I just I didn't really know how big dope would become. I didn't know it would be what it is today. And like we've served more than three hundred and fifty thousand people, cookie dough. Like that's wild. Mm-hmm. When I started it, I said. I love the feeling of watching someone eat what I've made and like try a bite and light up and say how good it is. And having my own business doing that means I could probably see like a hundred people a day doing that. You know, I really had these, this micro goal of like, can I make a hundred people happy? Right. Let's do it. Like, let's see it. And I had my sabbatical from Intel. So I had 10 weeks Mm -hmm. paid. Um, and I had planned this trip around the world that I was going to take, but in February I got this idea and in April my sabbatical was starting and I said, forget the trip like I can use 10 weeks to see if this could be a real business and um, had no insights about the food industry whatsoever right like right. I've been working in tech <laughs> like what do I know other than I like to eat desserts what do I know about operating a, a right. dessert company so tons of learnings I just was never afraid to ask questions started to reach out to the community found a commercial kitchen in Oakland and made a hundred pounds of cookie dough got a $500 cart built at a wood shop <laughs> in Soma in San Francisco. And that was going to be my cookie dough cart, and I took it right. to Dolores Park. My mom yeah. and my stepdad came to help, and some of my friends, and sold out in three hours—like a hundred wow. pounds of cookie dough gone. And I said, you know, this is really something. Let's let's keep going, and just started to build and the business there it on the spot.
1: I imagine in the park. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it was 4-20-2017, So there were lots of people walking by, and I'm like, okay. edible cookie dough, come try. And you know, <laughs> right. of course, the questions of like. Someone's literally like, okay, I've never had edibles. Like, how much should I have? I'm thinking like, okay, no, sugar (laughs) highs only. It's not edible like that. So in San Francisco, there needed to be some clarity in my sales message. But yeah.
1: (laughs) Fascinating stuff. And And I think that it seems as I think about it, you know, part of the allure is the fact that, you know, eating dough is sort of dangerous, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. You can usually, you know, you're getting any regular Nestle or cookie dough right in the right. store and making it at home. It's got eggs in it and raw right. flour. So we heat right. treat all the flour and then we don't use the eggs. So it's, right. uh, our recipe is bakeable and able to be eaten raw.
1: Yeah. Mom, well, I'm awesome. going to be eating it raw. I love cookie
0: dough. So.
1: Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm always worried about the eggs and so on. So I want to talk a little bit about the What's happened sort of the last year? I mean, you talked about you, know, you sort of pivoted your business away from the storefronts, but it had been incredibly stressful. And for you know people that are sober and in recovery, is is the last year presented a lot of unique challenges that we didn't anticipate. So I was just wondering how, how you navigated that.
0: Yeah, incredibly challenging. You know, and I actually met a few people throughout the year who had uh, just gotten sober, you know, in March or something. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that is a challenge, you know, or had to realize they needed to get sober as the year went on because the pandemic ended up perpetuating some issues with alcohol or other substances. And um, yeah, it was very challenging. You know, we went from 30 boxes a month in November of 19 to 3000 a week in April of 2020. So just on the operation side, and like, thank the stars for my husband who joined the company in November of 19. Uh, he's very ops and finance focused. And so he really helped us through this transition. But the two of us were like, you know, full heads down on like, operation survival, like, how are we going to mm-hmm. manage the scale and like, make it happen? And right. um we made a not so great decision with the initial rollout for our warehouse um, planning and uh, really intense, you know, like I really had a had a serious challenge in like maintaining my mental health through that time. So I look at it like a mental health toolbox. I've got like six things that I know can help keep me like on the straight and narrow and feeling good. So, like, you know, journaling, having Mm -hmm. tea before bed at night, reading before bed, um, yoga is one of them, running, and calling a friend, you know, or calling my parents. I'm notorious for just, like, heads down and work and forgetting to reach out. So, it's like, all of those things cannot happen every day because I'm not, you know, amazing and perfect and Mm. the best of the best every day, but, like, can I get half of them? Can I get, like, two of them? You know, so I just Mm. had to constantly kind of keep that front of mind of, like, okay, feeling really stressed out, like, what of the things have I done today? You know, what can I pull out from my toolbox and, like, make it happen today? Because um, it was really challenging. And I ended up, poignant discussion around mental health, ended up having a pretty severe, like, breakout in my face. You know, your body, like, uh, manifests stress in different mm-hmm. ways, you know, sure. whether it's with your gut or through acne. And so I had this horrible breakout. And, um, you know, I'm I'm such a, like, just love yourself for who you are. And mm-hmm. I don't get down on the, my looks or anything. And just, um very like yesterday I went on to one of our ads on, on dope's account and I had posted a video of myself uh, talking. It was about shark tank and whatnot. And the comments are just exploding about my acne saying like, Oh, does cookie dough cause this? And like, (sighs) you should fix your face, go get proactive, you know, all these horrible things. And it's mental health awareness month, you know? So I'm like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Kelsey. Like, thank you so much for your, your tip. The guy who said, go find proactive or something, (laughs) you know, thank you so much. You know, we're all about mental health and, uh, I hope you have a dope day and and just right. try to kill it with kindness, but it it is so hard. It's like the stress of running a business is really intense and um it has you know for me manifested in different ways and I uh I'm on the up and up, it's it's healing now. <laughs> but you know, it does it was a very hard year and emotionally right. like a roller coaster of like will my livelihood make it through or not? Like, this is right. my baby, dope is my whole life, and you really have these scary moments of like. Are we going to be okay? And having to shut the store down in October, you know, I poured blood, sweat, and tears into opening that store. And it was the business decision to close it down. It was the right decision, but it was really hard. It was really sad. <laughs> I loved it.
1: Well, just not only the storefront, but also it affects the lives of the people that work there. And uh,
0: yeah, that's,
1: the human that's element the part, is
0: really right? a toll, like really, really hard.
1: So have any of those people been able to come back now that?
0: We do have um, one of our employees who is the general manager at the store. She's still the recipe developer for oh, dope. Good. So Iggy and I work together on all the seasonal flavors, and then um, we hooked her up with our fulfillment center. So she also works there, helping to pack the dope boxes. So, right, right. yeah.
1: So this idea of the toolbox, I think, is really, really useful. Uh, was that that come out of AA or where'd you come up with that?
0: My own survival methods. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, not out of AA. Just um, you know, and and. AA was an amazing tool for me. I went um, pretty much every day for the first six months and then mm-hmm. started to go a little bit less frequently, maybe like once a month. Mm-hmm. And now um, I tend to go just on my sober birthdays, like thanks to the pandemic. My original meeting group in Oregon um, is doing virtual meetings. So mm-hmm. I can jump in on, on my anniversaries and and just check in and say hi. So I've found that, you know, these toolbox of sort of like wellness things, like what am I doing for my overall wellness and mental right. health um, have just been what I, what I really used to carry me through. And now so much of my life is about, Recovery and like recovering out loud and helping to share that with other people. So I find that that's a really nice um, additional tool for me. Is just this reminder that like m- my continuance on this path is helping other right. people, and that's really really cool.
1: Well, I, I, I gravitate to the idea of the toolbox just because yeah, I think little well, habits like that are so powerful. And and to your point is yeah, it's not about perfection. Yeah, you know, if you yeah. get two of them out of if you have six things, you get to two of them. You get three of them today. The just remember. Yeah. I think that's very powerful. I like
0: that. It's like like responsible goal setting. You know, when you go out and you're like, I'm going to eat a kale salad every day this week. And then if you miss one day, you're like, I failed. You know, funny example. But yeah, you really can get down on yourself if you feel like you just just failed because you set such a high bar versus saying, for example, I wasn't able to do yoga any morning last week. Just Mm -hmm. didn't pull it off. Either meeting starting early or just too freaking tired to do it. And I said this week, I told his, I'm like, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to do it every day this week. I want to do it two days this week. And then mm-hmm. I ended up doing it four. That's awesome. So you get right. the opposite end of feeling like really good that you did have a win instead of setting yourself up for perfection and then saying, to hell with it, it didn't work out. So now I feel, you know, it's a steadier path to try again next week.
1: And you'd brought the part about social media. And so I'm sort of curious is, yeah, because it can be so destructive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, do, you, do you find yourself using it differently after you've been sober than before?
0: Mm, I mean, I think by, ma- by way of sobriety giving me so much more self-confidence, like mm-hmm. this ability to say, I really love myself and right. I don't feel the need to constantly compare. And I think when I was still drinking, the, my use of social media was the scrolling and comparing. You know, you're just going mm-hmm. through the feeds, saying like, "Oh, I wish I was on that vacation," or "I wish my body right. looked like that," or "I could never wear a shirt like that." Or now I just wear whatever I want. I don't bother with, you know, I don't put face makeup on to cover my um, my scarring or anything. I just I just want to be me, and that's that's kind of a beautiful thing that gave me um, that sobriety gave me. And so my use of social media is just. Uh, you know, more how can I help other people too? I think I found right. LinkedIn over the last year as a really great platform for me. I was always not going to be the girl that's like, hey, let me tell you about my skincare routine, you know, <laughs> on Instagram or something. I always felt a little weird, like sharing right. too much on Instagram. And um, LinkedIn's been really cool. I've grown like quite a little following there and who want to hear how it's going on this entrepreneurial journey, right. um, very open and authentic when things are really not working. And like, celebrating the awesome stuff when things are. So it's nice to kind of give people some insight. And, you know, I've found over the last four years, like I have amassed an incredible amount of information about being an entrepreneur and like Mm -hmm. what it means to run a business like this. And it's it's really nice to be able to share that with others. So, you know, entrepreneurs reach out that are like, hey, can you spare 30 minutes, 15 minutes to talk to me about my business? And I love it. I love kind of deep diving on different people's problems. And um, social media has given me a way to be a beacon for that to say, I'm here, I can help.
1: Well, I think in recovery too, you said you've you've discovered yourself, you know, that had been hidden for so long. Is that's hugely powerful uh, as yeah. a tool, right? Just to to be yourself for people in sales or listening to this, you know, if you're covering up, if you're struggling with you know a mental health issue of some sort, and it's not the best you that's out there. Yeah, you know, there's a real incentive to find that.
0: It's like unlocking a superpower, you know. Like mm-hmm. getting sober was like this shedding of all this, you know, BS and like stuff that was covering me. And then I got to like really grow from that moment. And it's hard when you're in it. Cause I know the feeling when I decided I need to get sober, had ruined that relationship for four years. Everything felt like it was blowing up. I had called my dad and said, my life's over. You know, this is just feels like right. the end. And it was totally like the beginning and it sounds super cheesy, but it was really like the start of all the awesome stuff that's come true in my life since. And it's, um, it's challenging to see that when you're in it, but there's just so much amazing stuff to happen when you stop filling your brain with all this nonsense, Mm -hmm. filling your body with it, and not being able to see who you really are and who you really can be in the world.
1: Yeah, and the idea of the superpower coming out is is sort of a common theme with people I've spoken to that have been open, started to be open about their sobriety and the recovery, and yeah, almost to a person, they all say the same thing. It's like, wow, just performing at levels I never was able to perform at before, much more balanced in my life uh, you know family life work life so on mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's so
0: much more on time you know um, whether you're drinking or you're hu- hung over and recovering from drinking right. it's a lot of wasted time and so in sobriety it just became like that's why I was like what do I do with all this time started baking because it mm. was like you just have a lot of extra I was like Bro, are there are always this many hours in a day has it always been like this because <laughs> it felt like you just really got a whole new whole new right. mix Um, and it's a chance to, yeah, figure out what you want to do with it. So people used to say, like, are you gonna tell investors that you're sober? And I'm like, yeah, hmm. I can't wait to tell them. <laughs> like they're gonna think it's awesome, you know? Like I hope they realize that it just means I'm more present and more focused for the hard things that are gonna come and able to, you know, keep a level head and make the best decisions I can as I go through it.
1: Well, tell us about what you support through dope in terms of mental health initiatives and so on.
0: Yeah. Um, So we formed the Dope for Hope initiative inside the company. And this was in 2017. It was my two-year sobriety anniversary. We're like, you know, going on four months into the business or something. And I was getting a kiosk on Market Street. And on my two-year sobriety anniversary was the grand opening of this kiosk. And so I put on our Facebook page and said, if you say it's dope to be sober at checkout, you'll get 20% off. And Hmm. we started getting all these messages into the, like, um, dope Instagram and Facebook inbox saying... You know, hey, I'm sober. Like, do you have any good meetings that you like in the city? You know, someone newly sober or like, I wanna get sober. Do you have any ideas? Um, Someone that's, you know, many years sober saying they hadn't shared it publicly before and that it was really cool to see me sharing. And I just had this big like wake up call of like, I feel like people really wanna talk about this. It seems Mm -hmm. like if they're willing and interested in writing a cookie dough company who just waved a little flag and said, hey, I'm sober. Man, that that must be like, there must not be enough people that they know in their circle to reach out to for advice or tips or to feel not alone. And so the dope for hope initiative is to try and break the stigma around mental health and addiction recovery, Mm -hmm. trying to make people feel less alone in what they're going through and less scared to talk about it and to talk about what's really happening in our lives. So we have a dope for hope pledge on our website for customers to sign says you'll be there for a friend when they need you and that you'll Mm -hmm. reach out if you need help. We do mental health Mondays. So fun, like burst of joy on your Instagram feed on Monday mornings Mm -hmm. and um, through a monthly email that we do as well. And then inside our company um, and to other employers, lots of work around mental health policies and what you can do to allow your employees to bring their full selves to work. So we offer mental health days. um, We subsidize mental health care uh, for our employees. Mm -hmm. We do employee donation matching to nonprofits that work in the space and then dope themselves um, donate. So the last piece is kind of like the financial component. And for every single purchase, we donate uh, 1% of our sales. Mm All sales across the whole company um, to a nonprofit that works in this space. And for 2021, it's uh, She Recovers Foundation, which is for women in seeking recovery.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah. It's a great it story. <laughs> it's,
1: a great, it's a great story. Um, yeah. I mean, congratulations on all you've accomplished so far. I mean, that's that's uh, from Barcelona, right? I mean, it's just when I was reading yeah. about that, I was like, holy cow. Uh, yeah.
0: It's pretty wild. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm like, is this real? And yeah. it's such a joy to—I mean, I talk about cookie dough, mental health, and addiction recovery every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is super cool, um, and I just—it's a—it's an awesome gift. It's really, really nice, and it feels like what we're talking about is so needed in the world and the pandemic mm-hmm. accelerated that to the next level you know if you weren't already thinking about your mental health you probably are now um right. used to have some folks say you know it's really nice what you're doing for people with mental illness and it's like no it's actually for everybody and now right. post pandemic like i think people get that like mental health we is like we all need it
1: right
0: <laughs> we are all in this so um it doesn't feel as uh, siloed a topic anymore. It's really like right. across the board. And like I mentioned, employers interested in understanding this. So I'm working on a certification process for businesses to be able to be a certified M-corp or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is in the works right now. But yeah, something to to really help give this these guidelines um, to, to employers that want to make a change, but maybe don't know how to make it um, so in their place.
1: And is there some place people can go and get information about this?
0: Coming soon. <laughs> Coming soon. Okay, I'm very Whoa. excited about it. So if anyone's hearing it that is interested or works in the space, you know, right. we we're starting to build, um, I've kind of collected a bit of a coalition. So we've got like mm-hmm. four different organizations looking to work with me on this. And if there's other companies that are um, interested or individuals that are advocates in the space, um, I'd love to connect. I'm Kelsey at dope.com.
1: Excellent. And on LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: And on LinkedIn, of course, yes. Great place. And I'm sure as we keep going forward, we're looking to do a pilot in September, so I'll probably be sharing more about it on LinkedIn as we go forward.
1: Okay. Well, as you get more into it, we'd love to have you come back and talk more about it.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome.
1: Thank you. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me. And people, go to dope.com and buy some cookie dough.
0: (laughs) It's a good move. It'll make you happy. (laughs) It'll
1: make me happy. Well, I'm anticipating mine coming, so. um, So awesome. Yeah. All right, Kelsey, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. I want to thank my guest, Kelsey Moreira, for sharing her insights and her story with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, but we'd appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.